The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup Digest, covering latest matches and news. In today's Digest, we cover matches 39, 40, and 41. Uh, we don't have uh, my regular co-host Giri with us today because he's traveling. So, it'll just be me. Let's first look at the first match, that is match 39. This was Sri Lanka versus West Indies. So, this was sort of a dead rubber match. So, this was a good occasion for both teams to, you know, salvage a bit of pride. Well, both teams played really well. And it was uh, rather a close match. So, in this case, uh, it was played at Chesterley Street, Durham, on the 1st of July. Sri Lanka were uh, asked to bat first by West Indies won the toss. So, in this case, uh, Sri Lanka started off well with Karuna Ratna making 32 and uh, Pereira making 64. Avishka Fernando, the new kid on the block, so to say, made a very good 100, 104 apart, just 103 balls. And then Mendes made 39, Matthews 26, Thirimanna finished off the innings with a rapid 45, so that Sri Lanka got a very competitive 338 for 6. Now, when it comes to bowling, Cottrell uh, took 1 for 69 of 10, and then Thomas took 1 for 58 of 10 as well. Uh, Gabriel was a bit costly. Gabriel, uh, frankly, has had a very disappointing World Cup. And then Holder took 2 for 59, and then uh, Fabian Allen took 1 for 44. When it came their turn to bat, Gale started off uh, solidly giving them a good start, giving making 35 or 48. But then the other openers, Ambris and Hope, fell very cheaply. Hetmeyer made 29 and they both, that is Gale and Hetmeyer, got the total to about 71 when Gale was out. But Hetmeyer followed him shortly at total on 84. This brought together, uh, let's say, the middle and the lower middle order, Puran and Holder, who took the score to 145 when Holder was dismissed for 26. But Puran kept one end going. So Brathwaite failed, but Fabian Allen kept... Uh, you know, Puran company and together so with the score from 199 for 6 to 
282 for 7. They scored it in a very rapid rate as well in just under 10 overs, right? They were able to add 83 runs and take West Indies really close. But I think Fabian Allen got run out at a very inopportune time uh, for a well-made 51. But Puran carried on and made 100, uh, 118 of 103 balls. And well, with three overs remaining and 31 runs to get and Puran still at the crease, the Sri Lankan skipper had a little bit of a conundrum, hope to bowl, because, uh, you know, the spinner was going for a lot of runs and uh, he had to turn to one of the non-regulars because Malinga had already bowled out or was scheduled to bowl out his overs. As a result, he brought in Angelo Matthews. I think Angelo Matthews was interested with this task. And with his very first ball, Angelo Matthews had dismissed Puran for 118 and that was that as far as the game was concerned. West Indies played out the, the remaining uh, number of overs and they fell 23 runs short. So, if you look at the bowling stats, Balinga took 3 for 55 in his 10 overs. Uh, Dhananjaya De Silva did not take a wicket but considered just 49 in such a crucial uh, game. And then uh, Isuru Udana, 67 in 10 overs, no wicket. Uh, Rajita, who came in place of uh, Suranga Laknal, who looked completely out of sorts earlier, took 1 for 76 of 10. Vanderset took 1 for 15. And then, of course, Matthews, 1 uh, for 6 of just 2 overs. So, with this, um, Sri Lanka wrapped up another win. And... As far as they are concerned, this was the third win, but it was not going to be enough to take them to the semi-finals. Avishka Fernando was adjudged as the man of the match. Well, there was a bit of pride there and I think Sri Lanka did well. Still, the middle-order problems for West Indies per persist. Also, the openers, Ambris and uh, Hope also couldn't do much. Even though Gale started, he couldn't carry on. There is a very nice article on Cricket for that I would recommend to read by, I think, uh, Fidel Fernando. And uh, you can see how he explains Angelo Bold for the first time in eight months and he was as successful as all that. The next match we can take a look is the match number 40. Right? This was a bit of a needle match because it was between India and Bangladesh. And a lot was riding on India because they had previously lost the match to England. So they would have wanted to you know, comfortably seal the semi-final spot. So this was played in Edgbaston in Birmingham. And in this game, India won the toss and opted to bat first. Having opted to bat first, they made a solid start with openers Rahul and Rohit taking India uh, to a very comfortable 180 within uh, 30 overs. So, India looked set for a big total here because Rahul made uh, 77 and was out and Rohit made a 100 of just 92 balls. Rohit looked uh, more comfortable in this match. Virat Kohli made 26 and then Rishabh Pant made a rapid 48 as well. Hardik Pandya for a change failed but Dhoni made, well, 35 of 33 balls. Uh, I think we can get into it at the end of this match. Karthik, uh, Bhuneshwar Kumar and the rest tried to hit uh, a little. And India finished with uh, 314 for 9. So, a bit of credit here to Bangladesh because they were able to hold India back. At one stage, India looked like 350 for a certain. But they held India back to just 314 for 9 in 50 overs. Mustafizur Rahman took 5 for 59. And then Shaki Balasan took 1 for 41. Uh, Mashafi Murtaza was a bit costly. 5 overs, 36 runs, no wicket. Saifuddin... Also a bit costly, 7 overs, 59 runs, no wicket. Rubel Hussain took 1 wicket, uh, considering 48 runs of his 8 overs. And then Swami Sarkar took 1 wicket for 33 and 6 overs. So when it came their turn to bat, well, Bangladesh stood a chance because they have uh, mounted a chase of 300 plus. In fact, they are the only team to have done that in this World Cup. And they started solidly. Tamim Iqbal made 22 before he was bowled by Shami. And Swami Sarkar made 38, ball 33. Shakibal Hassan um, made 66, also in even time. But the pressure kept mounting because of the run rate. Mushfiqur Rahim made 24 and uh, Lytton Das 22. Uh, interestingly, Bangladesh chose to go into this match without Mahmudullah. And I think a bit of that was felt in this uh, you know, chase because 
Mosadi Hussain just made three, and Sabir Rahman and Mohammad Saifuddin took Bangladesh really close. Sabir Rahman made 36 and Saifuddin 51 in very good time, but that was still not enough as Bangladesh were 286 all out in 48 overs. So when it comes to bowling, Bhuneshwar Kumar, who came back into the 11, took one for 51 in his nine overs. Jasprit Bumrah was the pick of the bowlers, taking four for 55 in 10 overs. Mohammad Shami was a bit costly again. I think uh, he finds it a bit difficult when the batsmen go after him towards the end of the you know, innings and he took one for 68 in nine overs. Yuzvendra Chahal was uh, good, one for 50 uh, in 10 overs and then Hardik Pandya took three for 60 in 10 overs. So, all in all, Indians did an admirable job defending the score. Bangladesh, you can say, were, were very valiant but fell short. Now, if you were to look at some of the discussion points, I think Dhoni caught a lot of flack all over uh, the social media because of how slow he was batting. But, well, it looked like he was doing the job. Uh, what what pricked a little was to see that sometimes he used to let balls go, sometimes he used to have a few singles. Uh, that was probably not on, given that all the time on the other end was also another established batter, right? Or maybe even Bhuneshwar Kumar. That looked a bit weird. And when it comes to his intent, it looked like he was he was more intent on scoring rapidly. He was able to get some big shots off. And even though he, let's say, ate up a couple of balls towards the back end of the innings, he still finished with a... Uh, strike rate of more than 100. So it it seems like maybe some of this uh, criticism that's been leveled at Dhoni is a bit unfair. But well, you can't you can't expect that a player scores at a strike rate of 130 or 150 in every match. Uh, Dhoni's not done very badly in this tournament, but it did look like you know he could have done a bit more here. That was also visible because this is carrying on from the England match where uh, he again slowed down towards the end of the chase, which was uncharacteristic for him. But all in all, yeah, maybe there's a bit more Dhoni can do. But it can also be said that this great player could be coming to the end of his career. So, I think we all will watch very carefully what he has to say at the end of this World Cup, whichever way the tournament finishes for India. Right. Going further, uh, also Bangladesh, I think uh, if you look at how well they bowled, so in the last 20 and a half hours, they took 9 India wickets for just 134 runs. This was very good. And this included conceding uh, just under 7 and over and taking 7 wickets in the last 11 and a half hours. So this was excellent bowling all thanks to Shakib and Mustafizur Rahman there. So all in all, Bangladesh uh, seemed to be one of the good teams going forward. And uh, well, it looks like they were a bit short, just a bit short when it comes to finishing matches off. Otherwise, probably they would have st- stood a good chance to get through to the semi-finals. Uh, their next match would be against uh, Pakistan. So this is again another needle contest and this is also more like bragging rights because both Bangladesh and Pakistan cannot qualify for the semi-finals. But nonetheless, they'll be looking to beat each other comfortably. Well, Pakistan technically has a mathematical chance, but it's very, very difficult. So I would say it's probably a match for bragging rights. Right. Now, if you go on to the next match, match number 41, this was played on 3rd of July in uh, the Riverside ground at Chester Street again. Right. This was also a very uh, important match as far as England and New Zealand were concerned. New Zealand were, are on the way down. They were on a divert, downward spiral by the looks of it because they started the tournament really well. But since then, they have been losing the last couple of matches. So they would, they would have wanted to win and book their place in the semi-final. But more importantly, as far as England are concerned, they needed to win to make sure Pakistan or any other team did not stand a chance. So in this game, <clears throat> England, um, well, they won the toss and they elected to bat first. So that that went right for them. In this case, their openers did a wonderful job. Jason Roy again made a runner ball 60. And Johnny Besto made a better than a runner ball 100. So they set up the platform beautifully. So they gave them a start of 123 runs in just under 19 hours. So once this was done, Joe Root made 24. Butler failed, who was promoted off the order. But Owen Morgan made 42. And then the rest of the order kept keeping in to make sure England got to 305. Again, 
a lot of credit goes to the New Zealand bowlers because uh, at one stage, given the sort of start they had and maybe at 194 for one in exactly 30 overs, it looked very much like, you know, England could go on and make even a 400 maybe in this case with so many hitters to come. New Zealand pulled things back very nicely. So Mitchell Shatner, who opened the bowling and just had one over, strangely, but took one for 65 and 10 overs. Trent Bolt took two for 56 and 10. Tim Southey started off very costly a couple of overs, but then he came back well and took one for 79 overs. Matt Henry took two for 54 and 10 and Jimmy Nisham took two for 41 and 10. So I would credit, uh, let's say, pulling England back uh, to a very large extent to Nisham and Henry here and then towards the end to Trent Bolt. They were able to pull England back and a total of 305 for 8 in 50 overs look, may have looked a bit less than what they would have wanted England, but they still had enough I think runs on the board and that's how it proved because in the chase New Zealand started very badly they lost Henry Nichols to the first ball he faced of Chris Walks. it looked like he could have reviewed this but I think he missed out on a review and he walked away Martin Guppel failed again scoring just eight and then Kane Williamson and Rostella got together and they got together at 14 for two and they took the score to 61 when Kane Williamson was run out very un- unfortunately with the bowler Mark Wood getting a finger on a straight dive from uh, Ross Taylor and hit- hitting the stumps on the non-strikers and then Kane Williamson getting run out for 27. Shortly after that, Ross Taylor sort of got run out for 28. You could say this was a not a well-judged run there on his part. This more or less meant that the chase was not going to be possible. But Tom Latham scored us 57 in good time and um, Jimmy Nisham 19, Mitchell Satner 12, they tried to support him but it was not going to be enough. So New Zealand were 186 all out in 45 overs. So this was in the end a very one-sided and a comfortable victory for England. So when it comes to bowling, Chris Wokes took 1 for 44. Joffre Archer, who did an excellent job with the new ball, took 1 for 17. Liam Plunkett also did a very good restrictive job to taking 1 for 28 of 8 overs. Mark Wood was one of the picks of the bowlers. He took 3 for 34 of 9 overs. Joe Root did a holding role in the middle and then Adil Rashid and Ben Stokes each bowled 5 overs taking 1 wicket. So all in all, the man of the match was uh, Johnny Bestow for his 100 but I think England will breathe a sigh of relief having sealed the semi-final spot. Right? So now it remains to be seen what happens in the matches on 6th of July where you know Australia and India play their final league matches. Australia will take on South Africa and India will take on Bangladesh. So these two matches will determine the final four positions and who will face whom in the semi-finals. So, I think we will all be very curiously looking forward to that. But before that, uh, in tomorrow's match, we have uh, Afghanistan taking on West Indies. Again, another match where, you know, both these teams have underperformed and both these teams will want to go out of the tournament with a win on the high. Right. So, let's see if, you know, Chris Gale can uh, sign off in style or maybe Rashid Khan as the final say. So, what has been brought to our notice is that uh, Afghanistan have won three of the five matches last five matches they played against West Indies and one of those was even rained off. So, you can say they hold the edge over West Indies going into this match but one never knows because it's in neutral conditions maybe West Indies can come up with the goods here. Right? Now, going forward, if you were to look at some of the news related to World Cup, so one of the main things is that Vijay Shankar of India has been ruled out due to a blow he received on those uh, in the nets from Bumrah. As a result, Mayank Agarwal has been called up. So this was again another strange sort of a call because I think they, they uh, by they I mean the Indian selectors have chosen Mayank Agarwal ahead of somebody like Raido because I think he's more flexible, he can bat anywhere in the top of the order. And he's been chosen with uh, one eye to the future rather than Raido who's, well not he's only 33 but it looks like his time has come and gone. Probably Raido retired from international cricket after this because he sort of already made his mind that he'll only play limited hours uh, cricket and he's already retired from first class cricket last year. That meant, you know, uh, probably his chances 
were very limited. As a result, he's chosen to retire from international cricket. And that is that seems a bit premature, but we wish Raidu all the best going forward with his uh, remainder of his career and maybe future as well. So the other World Cup news is that Sri Lanka and West Indies uh, were fined massively in the game between each other. Even though it was a slow game or a low-scoring game, they were very slow with the over rates. As a result, both the skippers have been fined 40% of their match fees and each player has been fined 20% of his match fees. So this is a little unprecedented, but I think they were very slow with their over rates. This is unfortunate as well. Now, if you look at the other news from outside of World Cup, so the first uh, ODI between Ireland and Zimbabwe took place on the 1st of July. So in this game, Ireland won comfortably. This was held in, uh, you know, the Brady Cricket Club in Northern Ireland. Zimbabwe put up a decent score. So Ireland won the toss and opted the ball, but Zimbabwe made a decent score and got to 2 for 4 in their 50 overs. Thanks to 100 from Craig Irwin batting at number 3. And then 49 not out towards the end by Ryan Burl, the all-rounder. But um, it was not enough because Ireland was able to chase it down with uh, another 100 from Andrew Balderney, the number 3 again. Paul Sterling made 50. Seven and towards the end, uh, Mark Adair, uh, Shane Gitgate, and uh, Lorcan Tucker, the keeper, made sure enough runs were scored and they won with about nine balls to spare. There will be another match uh, in this uh, series, as we see, and then uh, we'll have to see how uh, Zimbabwe is able to come back and win the match and maybe square the series. So, going forward, it looks like uh, the uh, tumult that is under, uh, currently ongoing in the Zimbabwe uh, board is not. Is not uh, showing any signs of abating because Zimbabwe have now pulled out of an Ireland women's tour, uh, citing you know logistical and financial reasons. So this this doesn't bode well for Zimbabwe cricket. We really hope they get over it quickly and some sort of a consensus is reached and the teams are allowed to tour again. Another important news: uh, Stein Dale Stein, who uh, is now currently recuperating from another injury, has signed on as a marquee player for the Euro T20 competition. So if you remember, Euro T20 competition is uh, six teams between Scotland, Ireland, and Netherlands, and with two teams from each countries and all three countries hosting the matches. This will start in August, and we can all look forward to this competition because not only Stein but many other players, including some bright names like Barbara Azam. Also, some retired stars like Brendan McCullum and all of these people have signed up. Even Martin Guptill has shown an interest here. So, it, it's going to be very interesting, let's say, to see how this goes. Uh, and maybe this brings some much-needed, uh, you know, highlight also to some of the local players in each of these three countries. Now, if we move on to the trivia section, the trivia question from the previous episode was, how many times have the last three wickets to fall in an innings in a World Cup game been to hat-tricks? So there was a slightly tricky component to this question because it was just the last three wickets to fall in an innings, not the last three wickets of the innings, or let's say when the team is all out. So we have found five such instances in this case. So it was uh, Saklain Mushtaq against Zimbabwe in the uh, ICC World Cup of 1999, the seventh uh, Super League match, right, where he did this. Then Roach, again, the 13th game of uh, the 2011 World Cup against Netherlands. And then Finn, Stephen Finn, uh, England versus Australia, the... Second match of Pool A in uh, the 2015 World Cup. Shami did it in this World Cup and then Bolt also did it in this World Cup. Shami against Afghanistan and uh, Bolt against Australia. So there is one other instance. This is a slightly tricky one because uh, Malinga also did it once. But, you know, this was 4-4. Four four. So it was more than a hat-trick and it was not the last wickets to fall in innings. So as a result, this can't be included. Yogesh got the answer right once again. Uh, even though he initially guessed uh, 6 because he also had included Malinga's. But... Outside of that, we got also answers saying two and three because people remember the latest ones, maybe Bolt, Shami, and Finn. But if you go back a little, you can also find there are other such instances. Thanks a lot for those that have been answering our questions. And we really hope 
that others who listen to these episodes can also take a guess at the answers or find out what the answers are. This will really give us a lot of encouragement. So the trivia question for this week is, who is the only bowler to have taken three, five hours in a cricket world cup or in cricket world cups? So if you've been paying a lot of attention to the recent matches, again, I think the answer becomes obvious. Just a little bit of digging will show you who the answer is. Right? You can get in touch with us to give give us the answers uh, on social media platforms, for example, Twitter at ArmchairCreekPod, via the Facebook page, or you can write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You could also leave a comment with your answer or your thoughts about what you've just heard um, in whichever podcasting app you use, like Apple Podcast, Podbean, any other, CastBox, any of these. So... I hope uh, you all do stay tuned in because we are reaching the uh, the summit of the World Cup and uh, more or less the four semi-finalists have been identified, but who plays whom yet remains to be seen. And now we are going to now probably uh, see a new champion crowned or maybe Australia or England uh, or Australia or India might take the tournament. So let's see how it goes. All right. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me and Giri. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.